Hi, I'm Pastor Kaylee. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Wood Street Chapel in Fortuna, California. You can find out more information about our church at www.woodstreetchapel.org. This morning, we're going to be starting in uh, Philippians chapter 3, starting in verse 1, but I want to skip ahead for just a minute because uh, selfishly, this is one of my, my favorite parts of Scripture, and, and so uh, we're just going to skip ahead to verse 10 for just a minute. I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ, and yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. The the reason that I, I... just grab on to this particular part of scripture. This, this verse is, is, it's a gut check. Just like the, the words that we were just singing, all my hope is in you. You have to stop and you have to ask yourself, is this really true? Is it true that I want to know Christ? And not just know him like I know some of you, but I want to know him. I want to know him to the point that I'm participating in the same suffering that he participated in. Do I want to know him? Does my life, does the the words that I say, do the things that I do, the actions that come forth from me, do they reflect that desire of my heart that I want to know him? Am I really living in a way that is expressing joy in the midst of hardship? Is my life a testimony to the joy that exists in Jesus as I participate in his suffering? I can tell you, no, it's not all the time. (laughs) It isn't all the time. I'm not always living a life that expresses joy in the midst of suffering. That's a hard thing to do. Knowing Christ is everything. The, the song that we sing, knowing you, knowing you, Jesus, knowing you, there is no greater thing. Yes, Sometimes there's an area of our faith that we, we treat like a, like a historical artifact. Sometimes there are areas in our faith that we we treat with more ceremony than actual relationship. But church, there is no greater thing than knowing Jesus. Sometimes we put so much emphasis on specific events, you know, the the idea of, of Easter, the idea of Christmas, those holidays, those one specific days where we decide to put on our best, we decide to to show up to church. If we don't show up any other day, we're going to show up on that day. We put all of the emphasis on those things, but church, if we didn't have a Easter brunch, if we didn't have carols that we were singing, if we didn't have lights that were put up on a tree, Jesus would still be there. There would still be a cross. There would still be the blood of Jesus that has paid for all of our sins in the church. There is no greater thing. Sometimes we put so much emphasis on this that that it, it can become a distraction. Paul knew what it meant 
to have all of the, the outward trappings of faith. He knew what it meant, but he knew that, that those outward trappings weren't worth anything. To have a form of religion, but to miss the point completely. Mm-hmm. Philippians 3, 1 through 11. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same thing to you is no trouble to me and it is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. You, you can't put all of your faith on the outside external trappings that you see. You just can't do it. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks that he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless, but whatever gain I had, I've counted it as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that that comes from the law, but that which comes through the faith in Christ the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and and the power of his resurrection and share in his sufferings, becoming like him in death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Paul had plenty of room to boast. He had all of the religious qualifications. He had all of the familial qualifications. He had all of the the spiritual qualifications that, that the people of that time thought were necessary. But it was nothing compared to knowing Jesus. Did you know that your, your flesh can show signs of religion, but your heart and your spirit maybe aren't necessarily showing relationship? There are seven dangerous signs of an imposter faith that we're going to look at this morning. The first one is ritual. Paul says he was circumcised on the eighth day. Sometimes we stop and we we say that this thing that was done to me at a specific point in time is what qualifies me to be loved by Jesus. I I was circumcised on the eighth day is what Paul says. Or, Or maybe for us, we come and we say, well, I was dedicated as a baby. And so that qualifies me to be loved by Jesus. I, I decided to get baptized in that baptism tank over there, and because of that, I'm qualified now to be loved by Jesus. I, I raised my hand at a specific point in time, and, and now because I've done that, I'm now qualified to be loved by Jesus. Church, you're never going to be qualified enough to be loved by Jesus. He just loves you anyway. You can't do enough. There is not enough ritual in this world to make us right with God on our own. It takes the blood of Jesus. 
Ethnicity then becomes family. He says he's of the tribe of Benjamin. There is a temptation in this world that says because of the color of my skin, because of where I live, that God loves me. Ethnicity was something that I didn't have any part in. I didn't get to choose to be a white man when I was born. That person who's living in Africa didn't choose to live in Africa when they were born. That is what came about in their life. And if I didn't do anything to bring about my ethnicity, then thank you, Jesus, my ethnicity has no bearing on whether or not Jesus loves me. It is such a dangerous conversation to start having when we start saying that God loves a specific people group to the exclusion of another. We are children of God. We're of a family of the the tribe of of Benjamin. That's that's Paul's next qualification, that he's he's part of the the right family. he, He didn't choose who his parents were. Church, did you know there are no grandparents in the kingdom of heaven? There aren't. It, it doesn't matter what your, your grandma has done. It doesn't matter that if your, your parents were, were pillars of the church. It doesn't matter if your great, 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 great grandfather was, was the one who founded a specific church in a specific place. God is interested in your heart. Not in, in the life and of, of those that came before you. Yes, those things shape who we are. Those things mold who we become. But that is not the the qualifier of our faith. In terms of tradition, Paul's saying he's a Hebrew amongst Hebrews. Our customs, our traditions don't bring us into the glory of God. Maybe you're not necessarily showing up saying, well, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews, but are you the most foursquare? (laughs) Are you the most Baptist of Baptists? You know, whatever the case may be, or do you feel like you're up at that notch? Of anybody in this room, maybe you have the most qualifications. And sometimes we, we look at those things in our life, we look at those, those areas that, that can maybe become a source of pride and we start to build on that. And pretty soon that becomes what other people see, that, that I am the most four square that you could possibly be. But does that really show what, what's happening in my heart? That's the question that we have to ask. Association, as to the law of Pharisee, Paul was that elite group. The, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they were this elite group of special people that they knew a lot. They, they knew the law. They, they knew who they were. They knew what God had, had promised. And 
They like to, to remind themselves of it. They like to remind other people of it. I know we don't have that problem, but sometimes bragging can, can happen. Sometimes there are those times where we love to brag and, and to, to talk about that, that study that we just got to, to participate in, or we like to, to talk about the, this most recent book that we, we read, or, or this area that I prayed for this amount of time, or, or I got to go fast for this or that, and, and we start talking, and all of a sudden it's not about Jesus anymore. It's about, look at how good I am, how great I am. And what does Paul say? It's nothing. Sincerity. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church. Did you know that you can be passionate about something and have it be completely wrong? I found some very interesting examples of that in history. I'm going to read just a few of them. There is not the slightest indication that nuclear energy will ever be obtainable. It would be that the atom would have to be shattered at will. There is no reason that anyone would ever want a computer in their home. This is, there's practically no chance communication space satellites will ever be used to provide better telephone, telegraph, or televisions or radio service from inside the United States. A rocket will never be able to leave the Earth's atmosphere. Heavier than air flying machines are impossible. How, sir, would you make a ship sail against the wind and currents by lighting a fire under her deck? I pray, excuse me, I have not the time to listen to this nonsense. Nuclear-powered vacuum cleaners will probably be a reality in 10 years. The, the cinema is a little more than a fad. It's canned drama. What audiences really want to see is flesh and blood on stage. I must confess that my imagination refuses to see any sort of submarine doing anything but suffocating its crew and floundering at sea. When the Paris exhibition of 1878 closes, electric light will close with it and no more will be heard of it. A wireless box that provides music has no imaginable commercial value. Who would, play, who would pay for a message sent to no one in particular? You can be passionate about something and be completely wrong. And so what that means is that we have to stop and we have to get, check the, the things that we're passionate about. And we check them against the word of God and we say, God, does this line up with what you are speaking? Does this line up with your truth? Morality. As to righteousness under the law. Blameless. Righteousness under the law means that you're good at keeping the rules. Righteousness under the law means that, that everything else that everyone sees is blameless. But when you're so focused on keeping the, the rules and you're so focused on making sure that no one sees you doing something wrong, it's not obedience. It's an opportunity to boast. Every personal advantage is worth disregarding if it means that I truly have the chance to know Christ. 
Just stop and think about that for a minute. What does that mean in your life? If you stop and you think about the personal advantages that exist in your life, the the things that you have, the luxuries that you have, the privileges that you have, the fame that you have, whatever it is that you may have, is it worth discarding for the sake of knowing Christ Jesus? It is. All I once thought gained counted loss. Our most impressive attempts at righteousness are actually rubbish compared to knowing Christ. How many of you have ever cleaned out a drain? Yeah, it's, it's a fun thing. Maybe a, a kitchen sink drain, you know, in the U-bend, or, or maybe, uh, if you've been really lucky, a septic tank uh, line. So um, we had a house in Hydesville before we moved into Fortuna, and um, this is going to get a a little gross, so I'll I'll keep it high level. Uh, (laughs) We had a a house in Hydesville that there was a a septic tank, and we we had done some construction, and uh, the construction was such that the flow out of the house to the septic tank was not as steep as you'd really want it to be. It it was up to code. No, we, we weren't like causing any problems. I don't need the building department showing up at Hydesville. Uh, (laughs) But it was a little slower than you'd like. And so what would happen is if you used regular toilet paper in, in the house, there would always be a clog at the very end of the the septic line going into the septic tank. And you could tell because you start hearing these weird bubbling sounds in your, your house when there was a clog. And think you, you'd immediately go and turn everything off so that you didn't have anything from the tank coming in, right? Because that's gross. And so the way you'd fix that is you'd unbury the septic tank, pop the lid, and you would remove the clog. Thankfully, it was always at the end, and everything would, would clear out, and you'd be fine. And so our fix for that was we just used fast-dissolved toilet paper and was never an issue again. But before we figured that out, I got really good at getting into our septic tank. Now, this has a point, I promise. Everybody's kind of looking at me like, man, where are you going with this? (laughs) Nobody wants to be in contact with what comes out of a drain, right? You don't want to get into that stuff. That's what your best efforts are worth. That's, that's all they are, is the garbage and the nastiness that's coming out of a drain. That's what it's worth. But get this, even though that is the, the most repulsive thing you could think of, even though that is, that is just a, a nasty, gross thing, did you know Jesus comes down in the middle of that anyway? He says, I know that's the best you can do. And I'm, I'm going to come into that. I'm going to be in the middle of that. I'm going to be with you in the midst of it. I'm going to be in the midst of your best efforts, and I'm going to redeem them to something totally beyond your expectations. Salvation doesn't come from doing good things. Salvation comes from believing good news. Paul had been doing good things, good things, 
for years. What he thought were good things. He thought he was, he was doing exactly what he was supposed to be doing. He was, was persecuting this, believe, this group of people that were believing in something that was detrimental to the church that he served. And he was going to do the right thing. Doing good things isn't what brings you to salvation. The celebrations that we we find ourselves in the middle of each year aren't what bring about our salvation. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. Salvation is knowing Christ Jesus, not knowing about Christ Jesus. I want to be found in him. What What does that mean to be found in him? It means that when people look at me, when people see the things that I'm doing and the, the words that I say, they, they, they recognize that's not how Matt talks. That's not, that's not what I, I, I know about Matt. Matt has been changed, and he's been changed by the presence of Jesus. I don't want to do what religion tells me to do. Because that that's what Paul was doing. Paul was, was doing what religion was telling him to do. I don't want to do what religion is telling me to do. I want to do what God is telling me to do. If you look at a a bride and groom who are about to get married, there is a lot of planning that goes into that. There's flowers that need to be purchased. There are colors that need to be chosen. And there are right and wrong colors, guys, let me tell you. There are tuxedos and dresses. There's food. There's photographers. There's, there's all of these different things that need to be done. There are months and years that go into planning that specific event. But did you know that all of that time, and, and please hear me, I'm not discounting that time. All of that preparation does not make a marriage. That preparation makes a day. There is something else that has to go into making a marriage. It is a husband and a wife that are coming together saying, we are choosing to give up of ourselves and choosing to come together as one. You can carry all of the the trappings of life, all of the, the trappings of being a believer, but if you don't know him, it's just like walking away after that, that wedding. Church, I was born into this congregation. Literally, I, I have attended this church from birth. I was dedicated, like literally right here in this exact spot. I was baptized in that room over there. I chose to, to give my life to Christ in that room over there. I have worshiped on this stage for many years. All of that is worthless. If I don't know Christ, I want to know Christ. Get to know the power of his resurrection, to participate in his sufferings becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. 
The resurrection of Jesus is meant to be a daily reality, something that we come and find ourselves in on a daily basis. It's not supposed to be a yearly observance. Mike, I I so appreciate the, the songs that you chose today. Almost every single one was a reminder of the cross, was a reminder of Calvary, a reminder of the blood of Jesus. Church, we cannot treat the blood of Jesus as a one once a year thing. I need the blood of Jesus in my life more than once a year. Our rituals and our celebrations can rob us of our Redeemer if we aren't careful. The power of Jesus lives inside me. The tomb is empty and the Son of God is risen from the dead. Amen. We have been called to know Jesus. Jesus defeated death, and because he defeated death, I am alive. If you are here this morning, or if you are joining us online, and you feel like your walk with Christ has been boring, has been dull, has been lifeless, can I tell you that that is not God's desire for you? If we serve a God who is alive, why would he want his children to be anything but? God has so much more in store for you than regular, routine, boring Christian life. The God who defeated sin and death in the grave wants to have life, wants to do life with you, and he wants to do it not just a little, he wants to do it abundantly. I love that word, abundantly. More than I could ever know more than I could ever ask, more than I could ever imagine. That's the kind of life that Jesus has in store for me. Knowing Christ is better than anything else. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come this morning and we thank you. We thank you for who you are. God, we want to know you. We want to know the power of your resurrection. We want to become like you. Jesus, all of our our best efforts, all of our attempts at living a life that is good enough, God, they're, they're just trash. God, we thank you that you don't disqualify us based on our own attempts, our own best efforts. God, you come in the midst of those things and you say, Matt, I'm here with you. I'm here with you and I, I bring life. I bring hope, I bring joy, I bring peace. I bring all of the fruits of the Spirit and they are available to you. I bring all of those things abundantly, more than you could ever ask or imagine. I come and bring those things to you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. Lord, as we move to our ministry time, as we we take moments to join with one another and to pray and to agree that, that you are faithful to move in the lives of your people, God, help us to recognize who you are, 
recognize the power that is available to your children through the blood of Jesus, not through our best efforts. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like more information about Wood Street Chapel, check out our website, woodstreetchapel.org, or email us, info at woodstreetchapel.org. Connect with us on Facebook to stay in the loop. 